Let us pray. God, we thank you for this day and this opportunity we have to freely gather here and worship you. And as we look at your word and as we gather to worship in the midst of our daily lives, whatever we might have on our hearts and our minds, God, we give those things over to you. Lord, we ask for you to speak the words into our hearts and our mind and our lives that we most need in this moment, in this day, and in each and every day. And Lord, may my words be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we've been doing this uh, series on the minor prophets, looking at some of these shorter books of the Bible, these uh, minor prophet messages, and uh, looking to see what, what's happening in these minor prophets and what these messages have for us. And part of the reason to do this, of course, is my goal over the years is for us to look at each book of the Bible in one way or another. And so if you've missed a couple of them or missed one of them, know that you can always uh, get a DVD of the whole service from the office or go online and listen to the message. And after we do this, we'll enter in middle of October a series on Ephesians as we continue to look to the scripture. And I'm very excited for that as well and certainly encourage you not to miss any of that. We've looked at two very different prophets, Jonah, who of course was a narrative, a story, Amos, who wrote a message to the leaders, and today we come to what is my favorite minor prophet, Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, people say it different ways, it doesn't matter, just say it like you mean it, it's all good. And uh, this is a, a very interesting uh, little book of the Bible, very, very different from some of the other prophets. And that's what I'm loving about looking at these minor prophets is the uniqueness of their message. My journey with this book has been an interesting one. You've probably heard me talk about this book. You've probably heard me talk about a specific verse. You've probably heard me even tell parts of this story. I never knew this book of the Bible existed until my uh, orientation in college, right before the beginning of my freshman year. And in the orientation at college, they, they offered for us a theme verse for our year, for our class, that kind of has stuck with us. And it comes from this, this book, this minor prophet. And I said, what is that? Where is that in the Bible? I had no idea. And it's interesting to me that so many times we encounter the scripture, whether a story or a handful of verses, or one verse in particular, and it gets laid before us, and we find that this verse transforms us, not just in that moment when we hear it or when it hits our lives or hits our heart, but that it continues to transform us. For me, this, in this case, this, this has happened, this verse, this book of the Bible, transformed me. It's something I carried with me. It continues to challenge, change, encourage, and transform me today. In fact, when I commented on social media that I was going to be preaching on this book of the Bible, one of my classmates instantly chimed in reciting the verse as they could remember it from, well, more than a few years ago. This prophet is basically a dialogue. It's a conversation. This whole book of the Bible is a conversation. It's a conversation between this prophet Habakkuk and God. And it's important to understand this because it helps us to read it, but it's also important for us to understand it because this book reminds us of the importance of dialogue 
in the Christian life. The importance of dialogue in faith. The importance of dialogue in our relationship with Jesus Christ. The importance of dialogue with God. The importance of dialogue in the community of faith in the church. That dialogue is critical. That sharing in conversation, the back and forth, sometimes which is not exciting, is important. It's an important aspect of our faith. It's important that we talk to God, that that is simply what prayer is. Now, I say dialogue, but really what's actually happening here is Habakkuk is complaining. He's mad. He doesn't like how things are going. This dialogue or complaint, and there's a series of complaints really, is about what's happening in the world. You see, the prophet is upset because he doesn't like how God is not intervening in what's happening in the world. You know, things are bad. It's ugly. There is just violence and sin and injustice and, and unfairness. I mean, it's so unfair that it's like worse than NFL officiating, especially for Colts fans this week. It's, it's this, all this stuff is happening and Habakkuk saying, why aren't you doing something? This is not right. This is, why, why is God allowing this to happen? And so he's complaining right at God. He's got some passion. He's got some courage. And so he complains about God's lack of of involvement in the world. And what happens is that God responds to Habakkuk's complaint. The problem is it's not the answer he wanted. Now, I don't know if you've ever complained today. Uh, I don't know if you've ever complained to or about God I don't know if you've ever complained about the conditions around you, the conditions in the world, the things that are happening in the world, but I'm going to guess that you can understand what's happening here. And so he levies this complaint at God, and, and God's answer is not only not what he expects, but in his mind, it's worse than what's already happening. Like Dan elevating the children's time. It'd be like asking for a bowlful of oatmeal and getting a bowlful of tacks, mud, whatever it might be. This is what happens when Habakkuk raises this complaint to God. That he almost wished he hadn't asked. Now that didn't stop him. Because after God responds, Habakkuk, like a good normal human being, complains again, and God responds again. Each time, he's not really thrilled with what's happening, with God's response. He says, that, he says to God, fix the world. And God's answer is, I'm going to raise up this awful, this awful war, these awful enemies who are going to wipe it away. Well, that's not what I meant. And I know that we have these moments in our lives where... We feel like things in our life or in somebody else's lives or in the world. We just say, why does God allow this? And we levy our concern, our prayer, our complaint to one another and sometimes to God. 
and it seems like nothing changes. Or sometimes, like it happens with the prophet here, it seems to almost get worse. But there's a moment that happens here in this prophet. There's probably actually two or three of them where he has a moment where he really gets it, where he really understands the key perspective of life. And I think that's true for all of us, right? In the midst of our complaints, in the midst of our concerns, in the midst of our fears, in the midst of the difficult things of life, every once in a while we remember. We remember what life is really all about. We remember the good things that we have. And so this comes in verse 5. This verse, pretty simple verse, you, if you ever... Uh, have conversation with me, you've, you've seen or heard this verse certainly before. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. Now in this moment, these words Habakkuk understands in the midst of the pain, in the midst of his complaints, in the midst of the response that God offers, he centers himself. He remembers what matters. He remembers who God really is. It's a message for the prophet. It's a message from the God who authored it. But it's also a message for us. It's an important message for us. There's a lot of verbs in this verse Look, that our first call is to, to look. But better yet, it says, and watch. <laughs> it almost feels redundant, right? But I can see something, I can look at something, or I can really watch something. I can really see something. And so the prophet says, look, watch. And then there's more. Be prepared to be utterly amazed. Now, the, the problem so often lies right here in the first part of the verse. That the things that are difficult in our lives and in the world and around us that seem to be hard for us to let go of, hard for us to not be constantly distracted by, are not an issue of God's inaction, but an issue of our vision. We're looking to circumstances. We're looking to difficulties. We're looking to complaints. Instead of looking and watching for the God of the universe. Looking and watching for what the Holy Spirit is doing. And so instead of being prepared to be amazed, to be surprised by the God of the universe... We sit impatiently and wait for God to solve and fix our problems, our worries, and our fears, and the worries and the fears of the world. So many times, the issue is not what's happening in and around us, but it's our perspective. And so right away, he says this, look and watch. But prepare yourself, prepare your hearts to be amazed. The truth is, if we were to look back at our lives and what God has done, what God has given us, who God has given us, our heart wouldn't be filled with complaints, but with amazement. Last night, 
Jessica and I and our family, we were in Lafayette for a wedding um, of a, a gentleman who was in my youth group when I served in Lafayette. And uh, we were, uh, during the reception, uh, we, were, we were dancing to a song. It's something I don't usually do, as you know. And uh, it was the glass of wine. And, uh, and so we're dancing to a song, and, and I, I look to the left of me, and there's this couple dancing. I knew, them in, I knew him since he was a middle schooler. I knew them as a couple since high school. I did his wedding. They have a one-year-old. The first time I met him, he was an obnoxious seventh grader. And then I look to my right, and there is the best man, the brother of the groom, whom I also met as an obnoxious seventh grader. Neither of them have quite grown out of it. And uh, I confirmed and baptized him, and will be doing his wedding in June. And I thought to myself, look at the circle of life that comes together. Look at the beauty of it. Now, my first instinct was to complain. I feel old. And in fact, I do believe I shouted out loud, stop, you're all supposed to still be in middle school. But it's all about that perspective. If we look at our lives, if we look at the things that have happened, if we look at our kids and our grandkids, and if we look at the careers and the opportunities that we've been given, we should be amazed. But the prophet goes on and says, For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. That the story that God has already written in our lives and the story that God will continue to write in our lives is so beautiful, so amazing, that if Jesus were to come down and to sit with us and say, here is the plan I have for you. Here is the plan that's going to unfold in your life. Here is the step-by-step detail. It's something we feel like we want sometimes, right? Here it is. Here it is. Here it is for you. We wouldn't be able to believe it. We wouldn't believe it. Not for a minute. It's all about our perspective. Are we allowing the difficulties and the complaints of our lives to rule over us? Or are we looking and watching for the God of the universe to amaze us? You see, Habakkuk's complaints are legitimate. Most of the time, ours are too. And God can handle our complaints. He handled this prophets, which were pretty feisty. But in the midst of that, we've got to bring ourselves back at some point, just as the prophet does, and says, wait a minute. I need some perspective. That's the beauty of the prophets. The beauty of the prophets is they give us perspective. Are we looking for amazement? You see, we can learn from this happy yet complaining prophet. We can be transformed by his story. There are a couple things we can learn. You know, the first thing we can learn, believe it or not, good things can come from our complaints. If handled in a right and healthy way, good things can come from our complaints. It's possible. 
Secondly, we can learn that the God of the universe can handle our complaints, our doubts, our fears, and our worries. God can handle it. You're not going to surprise God. So when I'm driving in the car and I say, I am so annoyed that that person is going so slow, not that that's ever happened, it's not as if this is some divine revelation of Scripture that's going to shake the earth. It's not as if God is surprised. It's not as if it actually matters. But God can handle it. From the smallest of things to the biggest of things. Why, God, is this person suffering? God can handle it. Why, God, are you allowing this? Why, God, Aren't you intervening? You see, for Habakkuk, it wasn't just the circumstances. It wasn't just that God wasn't intervening. He was questioning, in essence, God's character. He was questioning whether or not God actually wanted to get involved, whether or not God actually cared. And the truth is that sometimes we feel that way about certain things. God can handle it. And sometimes, in order to get the perspective that the prophet finally found, we need to let go of those things to God just to get there. Again, there are going to be no surprises. Another thing we learn from this prophet is that God has made his people and his nations for a purpose. Our lives have purpose. Our families have a purpose. Our church has a purpose. Every nation has a purpose. God has made us for a purpose, and God has a plan for us. You heard this in the reading about the same Babylonians in the prophet Jeremiah today. That God has a good plan and a good purpose. An amazing and surprising plan and purpose. I still sometimes wake up in the morning and pinch myself and go, is this really who I am and what I do and what's going on with my life? God, the prophet teaches us also, God has amazing plans. God has amazing plans for our lives. What we need to do is levy those complaints, levy those concerns to a God who can handle it, but then step outside of those things. Step out of those things and look and watch and prepare our hearts and our minds and our lives to be amazed because this God has big, beautiful, and surprising plans in store for us. So big, so surprising, so incomprehensible that our little minds couldn't handle them even if he were to tell us. And finally, and perhaps most importantly, the prophet teaches us that we're called to trust God despite our fears, despite our doubts, despite our circumstances, despite our complaints. Because this God has good things for us. So the prophet calls us to this deep trust. Perhaps the overarching message of the book, this book of the Bible, is for us is this. When nothing else works, when nothing else works, wait. Because God's plan is good. When nothing else works, wait. Because God's plan is good. The question is, do we believe it? 
Do we really believe that this God who loves us, this God who sent his son Jesus to die for us, has good and amazing things in store for us in each moment of our lives, and not just in the good times, but perhaps even in the most difficult of times? Do we believe that? Do we believe that for ourselves? Do we believe that for our families and those that we love, that God has amazing plans for them and amazing things in store for them? Do we believe that for our church? Because this is a message not just for me and not just for a sermon and not just for each of you, but it is a message for all of us. It should be a message for us as a church, as St. Mark's Lutheran Church, that God has amazing things in store for us. Do we believe that this God who could do anything and has done some pretty amazing things in this little book and some pretty amazing things in our lives, do we believe that that God can do amazing things in our community and our world? Are we looking? Are we watching? Are we preparing our hearts for the God who wants to surprise and amaze us with the good and the great and the glorious things that he has for each one of us? That's the question. In the midst of the complaints, in the midst of the difficulties, what are we looking to? Those things are to the one who has things so much greater in store. So look, watch, and be prepared to be utterly amazed. For the one who saved you, the one who created the whole world, the one who loves you, has amazing things in store for you and store for us. So amazing that we wouldn't believe him, even if we were told. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this word, for the minor prophet and his honesty with you. And God, we pray that that honesty and transparency would be a part of our lives. And yet, God, in the midst of difficulties, we would look to you, trusting you, knowing, God, that you have amazing things in store for us. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart that's open to looking to those amazing and beautiful things you have for each and every one of us and for our church and for the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please stand.